Good afternoon and welcome to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. Coming up this afternoon, we'll talk about winter feeding programs and adjusting rations for cold weather. Fawn Jackson, the CCA's Director of Policy and International Relations, offers an update on what's happening on the trade front. And Trevor Dachau, Fire Chief for the Arm of Morris, talks about a recent donation of grain bin rescue equipment by G3. The latest farm news and market numbers also coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining Glenda Lee Allen Vossler is Livestock and Feed Extension Specialist Dwayne Summit to talk about winter feeding programs and adjusting feed rations in cold weather. Every now and then it's important to actually sit down and evaluate how our winter feeding program is going. Absolutely. Uh, it's always good to make a plan, but it's also critical to make sure that we check that the plan is doing what we intended for it to do. And so if we don't stop and actually look at what, what the cows are telling us, we're not really going to be uh, truly considering what it is that they are, what the cows are doing relative to what we anticipated they would do. And so there's a couple different ways that we check how that plan works. Um, quite often I'll hear producers tell me, oh, the cows are looking good. The problem is that that eyeball method can be pretty limited. Uh, winter hair coats are pretty thick and they can hide quite a bit of change. And so we really need to put our either put our hands on and body condition score those cows, really feel what the fat cover is, or even better yet, we put them across a scale because when you have a have a number and you calculate what the differential in change of weight is over the course of a month or two you know whether things are working or not and over the winter there's times of course when we really need to look at bumping up those rations like in in the cold weather absolutely when she gets cold it takes more energy to stay warm and uh Typically, we, we prepare rations based on what the long-term average is. And, but when it gets below minus 20 degrees, we're going to need to add a little extra energy. And so the rule of thumb that we use is that for every 5 degrees below minus 20, so if it's minus 25, we would need to add an extra 3 pounds of really good quality hay. Alternatively, we could add 6 pounds of silage or a pound of, an extra pound of grain. Um, and those are the kind of things that we can do to adjust the rations to make sure that we're providing additional energy. And when we're going through all of this, it's also a good time to actually take stock of our feed inventory. Yes. Uh, the way things have been going, uh, it was really nice for most of December, and then all of a sudden it got really cold. And so all of a sudden the feed piles that we thought were doing pretty good uh, took a pretty good kick. And lots of feed got fed, and all of a sudden we need to make sure that we still have enough to get to the end of May here. That's it, exactly. And when we are talking about evaluating our, our winter feeding program, how often should we be doing this? When feed supplies are as tight as they are, we probably need to be looking at it at least on a monthly basis. Overall, final thoughts, key comments you would like to leave with people today? The most significant thing about feeding cattle this winter is to make sure that we have enough feed in front of them. Uh, feed is expensive. We want to make sure that we use it well. 
but we also want to make sure that we don't short short those animals any any groceries they need they need what they need and we need to make sure that we put it in front of them that was livestock and feed extension specialist Dwayne Summit talking about winter feeding programs and adjusting feed rations in cold weather a look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up Good afternoon, I'm Candace Dirksen. Time for a look at your farm news. Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon has been cancelled for this year. Organizers made the announcement this morning after trying to take the necessary steps to make the show a reality after they were forced to call off the event in 2021. General Manager Kristen Phillips says there were too many obstacles. So we actually had the opportunity to talk with the Minister of Health's team yesterday. They were unable to give us any kind of a reopening plan um, moving forward into February or March. And so with the uncertainty of, of that reopening plan, it just doesn't make sense. 250 people in a 540,000 square foot building um, doesn't make for a great farm show. Plans are to bring the show back in mid-January 2023. The Prairie Agricultural Machinery Institute has upgraded and installed new digital equipment at its location in Portage La Prairie. PAMI's president and CEO Leah Olson says they received a federal grant of over $600,000 to complete the work. What those dollars were used to do was to provide new electronic and control capabilities. And for clients, what that means is it'll decrease the time for tuning and setup for specific types of tests or projects. Um, It also increases our mechanical setup efficiency for specific tests like the rollover um, tests that we've done or there might be, um, you know, seat anchorage tests that we'll do. And the Saskatchewan Beef Industry brought together some keynote speakers during its annual conference last week. Alison Sundstrom is the founder and CEO of CanServex, a Canadian company involved in research and applying emerging technology in agriculture. She says the agriculture and beef industry in particular faces a number of challenges, noting there are some things that producers face on a daily basis that can be resolved through data and technology. The cost of labor is rapidly increasing if we can find it. And so I think that's something that we have to address and technology definitely can. Reducing our input use and the environmental impact can be handled by technology. Sundstrom says greater traceability, food safety and improved efficiency can also be enhanced by technology. Stay tuned. The Prairie Ag Wire is coming up. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Tuesday, January 25th. I'm Candace Dirksen. Coming up today, we'll hear from Fawn Jackson, the CCA's Director of Policy and International Relations, who offered producers an update on what's happening on the trade front during the Saskatchewan Beef Industry Conference. Canada is a key player in the international beef trade. Vaughn Jackson, the CCA's Director of Policy and International Relations, gave producers an update on what's happening on the trade front during the Saskatchewan Beef Industry Conference. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler was online for the event and brings us some of the highlights from Jackson's presentation. The exciting part uh, certainly is that uh, beef exports were up in uh, volume uh, by 22% and 39% in value from January to 
uh, November. So even though we don't have the full year uh, data all the way to December, I can tell you that we are hitting a new uh, a new record uh, this year. We've been hitting them since 2016, uh, and and that's you know truly because um, we have. Um, been putting these building blocks in place. So if you look at the Canada-Korea free trade agreement, you know, in 2015, and then CETA in 2017 with, with the EU, and then CPTPP that came into force in 2019, you know, KUSMA that sort of kept the North American engine going. And now if we look at expansion, you know, of CPTPP and ASEAN, uh, you know, there's going to be future um, blocks that are added to this really uh, wonderful uh, puzzle that is leading to these great, um, these great outcomes for us. Of course, that's all dependent on us continuing to be able to keep our slaughter up. Um, just as of recently, you know, we have had some challenges there with uh, perhaps new uh, variants, and and you know, it sort of takes you back to to the the start of COVID when that was really our our big challenge, and you know, making sure uh, you know that if we did need to press the button of go again, that we would be ready uh, to do that. Um, but it's seeming like we're going to make it through, you know, knock on wood, um, through this uh, latest variant without um, you know. Uh, a disaster, the scale of the of the previous time, uh, but certainly it's always something that's on our mind. Uh, but you know, I think that we had the experience of uh, set aside program from the BSE era that then we used during this era, and now you know we have that sort of fresh in our memories that if it was needed, uh, you know, we we would be able to come forward and work with government on that. But hopefully, uh, you know, things are looking uh, like they're going in in the right direction. So uh, we'll continue to watch that. Uh, quite uh, closely, um, and 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 certainly, as was mentioned, you know, beef exports um, are have stayed uh, have stayed uh, very strong. So, what are our priorities um, with uh, post BSE and the attainment of our negligible risk status? Uh, certainly, so within uh, the beef world. Uh, you know, we're looking at South Korea, and that is, you know, quite a, a large priority for us, um, because it actually has implications for the North American market as well. And so uh, Canada and South Korea have uh, a certificate that is a little bit different than what uh, the US and South Korea has, and it leads to segregation in US mar- in the US market if packers are selling into the South Korean uh, market because they are required to keep the Canadian and the American cattle uh, separate. And that particularly has impacts for our Eastern uh, friends. So a very high priority for us is harmonizing the American and, uh, and Canadian export certificates to, to South Korea, as well as removing some of the, you know, OTM uh, restrictions. And that, you know, goes very similar um, for Taiwan and for China. Uh, and, and, and certainly uh, those two countries are focused on, uh, well, actually all three, but in particular Taiwan and China have made their submission to CPTPP. Um, uh, and, and making sure that uh, all the players who are entering into that trade agreement uh, are meeting the very robust foundations of, of free trade uh, and, and science-based uh, free trade. Uh, so it would be our expectation that if somebody would like to join CPTPP, uh, that they come in and play a ball in the same manner that the rest of us uh, already uh, are. 
And then also, um, you know, we have um, some restrictions and, you know, when you're exporting to the U.S. that are still tied to the BSE era, for example, the Canada brand, um, you know, getting those uh, removed as well as are a priority for us, too. She notes when you're talking about international trade, they're also keeping a close eye on what's happening south of the border. Another thing that we're working on, of course, is is quite closely watching the Biden administration and some of their uh, priorities that they have been putting forward. So, for example, their Buy American policy, um, you know, their interest in pursuing country of origin labeling. Uh, However, you know, the uh, Secretary Vilsack did note um, that it would need to be compliant with uh, the WTO and that they would engage with their international trade uh, partners in, in making sure that it did. Um, And then, of course, they also have that just came out in January, their uh, action plan for a fair, more competitive and and more resilient meat and poultry supply chain. And so, uh, you know, that's looking at, um, you know, a billion dollars for independent processing. It's looking at Packers and Stockyards Act. It's looking at the product of USA uh, label and whether, uh, you know, that needs to be updated. It's looking at competition laws and then also transparency in in cattle markets and of course any time that the elephant hiccups uh you know we make sure uh that we understand uh, what that's really going to to look like because we're certainly uh impacted so uh you know heading down to nashville here in a couple or houston sorry <laughs> here in a couple of weeks down to uh, ncba and so we'll have you know further insight on what's happening uh down there When we talk about international trade, there's a lot of different aspects and number of agreements. This is just a small portion of Fawn's presentation to the group. Fawn Jackson is the CCA's Director of Policy and International Relations. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen-Vossler. That's it for the Prairie Ag Wire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. The Prairie Ag Wire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. And now for a look at your farm calendar. Keystone Egg Producers has moved its 38th annual meeting to a virtual format today and tomorrow. Visit the CAP website for agenda details and to register your attendance. The Manitoba Agricultural Diversification Centre presents Potato Production Days today through the 27th at Brandon Keystone Centre. Manitoba Forage Seed is going virtual tomorrow and Thursday. Visit their website for a list of agenda items and to register. Beef and forage days next week in Austin, Ericsdale and Grandview have been cancelled due to the COVID situation. The Direct Farm Marketing Conference has moved online and is taking place February 1st to 5th. Visit directfarmmanitoba.ca for more information. An online beekeeping for the hobbyist course begins February 2nd at 7 o'clock. Sessions will be every Wednesday, except February 23rd, until March 30th. Cost is $230, and you can register with the University of Manitoba Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences. 
Manitoba Crop Alliance Combine to customer workshops begin February 6th to 9th with sessions following February 22nd to the 25th and March 6th to 9th. Get the details, including registration, on the Manitoba Crop Alliance website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon. G3 recently donated a set of grain rescue equipment to the Arm of Morris Fire Department. Joining us is Fire Chief Trevor Dachau, who says the decision was made to house the equipment at the Rosenort Fire Hall. Rosenort sort of, if you look at a map of the municipality, that's the centrally located fire hall. Okay. So they again, for now, they can get out the either low farm or spurling should the equipment be needed. Okay. And was this something that the department applied for, or...? No, this was back in the early summer. The Canadian Agricultural Safety Association was promoting some uh, grain rescue training in Carmen. Mm -hmm. So we had members from all three of our halls, including myself, uh, attend to receive training, which was great. It was a very interesting day's seminar, including a lot of hands-on stuff. Uh, the old chief was buried to his chest in uh, in grain, and the guys got me out. Oh, wow. Uh, after that, uh, G3 reached out to uh, the agricultural safety people and said, well, who was on training? Well, we're close. You know, they're, they're, we'll, we'll offer the RM of Morris, and I believe other RMs were offered the same thing, a set of uh, this rescue gear uh, as a donation. Okay. So we said certainly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You're not going to say no to that. <laughs> no. No. Uh. And uh, I'm. I'm. I've budgeted for purchasing two more sets for uh, the other two halls for the fiscal 2022. Okay. How much does a set of grain rescue equipment generally run at? I'm going to just give you a very vague figure, and it's about $5,000 a set. Okay, so definitely uh, the donation, certainly welcome that. Oh, yes, <laughs> we, we uh, greatly appreciate uh, when businesses within the community uh, choose to support us. Uh, and, and let's face it, we provide a valuable service for everybody in the RM. Uh, each individual citizen between our fire service and our medical first responder service, but also the industry and business within the RM. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so can you describe this equipment for me? What What is grain rescue equipment? The problem with grain and various other types of agricultural commodities is it's rather granular in texture. Mm -hmm. So you end up with a big silo full of stuff that resembles beans uh, or seeds or even popcorn, maybe is a good way to think of it. Under normal circumstances, this stuff's fairly compacted, and although it'll flow if you open the uh, uh, vent at the bottom of a bin, it, it's generally fairly stable. But there are situations where people need, need to walk across the surface of this, and there's a potential for it to become unstable very, very quickly. And what happens then? Well, it's like stereotypical movie quicksand. You start sinking, and eventually your head's going to become under the uh, product, mm. and you're going to suffocate, okay. That which is not a good thing. So mm -hmm. what this allows us to do 
is we can use this equipment, which it's four panels. And these panels look somewhat similar to police riot shields. Okay. Sort of a big, slightly curved panel. Mm-hmm. Our people can get in and deploy these four panels in a circle around the entrapment victim. Okay. And we push them down as far as we can. Then we insert an auger powered by a, an electric cordless drill. Mm-hmm. And we use the auger to suck the product out around the person mm-hmm. until it's down enough, probably to around their knees, till we can extract the person from uh, their entrapment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, in a nutshell, is how it works. Okay. Let's face it, agriculture is an important industry here in the southern Manitoba and in the RM Morris, and uh, it's better to have the stuff and never need it than it is to have a situation where it's needed but not available. That was RM of Morris Fire Chief Trevor Dachau talking about G3's recent donation of a set of grain equipment to the department. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. And now for another look at your farm news. For the second year in a row, Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon has been cancelled. After announcing the show, set for mid-January, was postponed, organizers were hoping public health orders would allow them to move forward eventually. General Manager Kristen Phillips calls today's announcement disappointing. We've made the difficult decision that we have to cancel the event for 2022 uh, just, you know, the logistics of trying to organize an event of, of the magnitude of our size is a difficult task within the Keystone Centre. The group plans to bring the show back in January 2023. The Prairie Agricultural Machinery Institute recently received a grant of over $600,000. PAMI's president and CEO Leah Olson talks about the funding and how it's being used. The grants and the, the dollars that were provided to us by um, Prairies Can and the federal government went to upgrading our machine testing system in uh, Portage. PAMI has locations in Humboldt and Portage and is involved with product development, testing and validation for clients in the agriculture, mining and transportation industries. The agriculture sector is facing some real challenges with a need to increase food production for a growing population with a limited land base, less labor, and the impact of other forces like climate change. Alison Sundstrom, the founder and CEO of CanServax, was a keynote speaker for the Saskatchewan Beef Industry Conference last week. Climate change has a greater impact, I think, on the farm than most people even realize. And if you took a look at what's happened over the past year, even, we had billion-dollar climate events in B.C. and elsewhere that have affected farms, dairy farms, beef farms at a, at a, at a rate that we really never thought we would encounter. She says, add to that, producers are under significant pressure from volatile costs and prices that they can do little to control. And that was your farm news for today. I'm Candace Dirksen. And we've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email at thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. 
I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. We'll meet you back here tomorrow at 12 o'clock.